Welcome to Powerless to Powerful. This is the number one positive side of addiction podcast. My name is Mark Mascola. I'm glad to be here and grateful you are here as well. Powerless to Powerful is a book, a podcast, live and recorded workshops that we created for men and for the women who love those men. Our purpose is to help raise the percentages of men who realize the rewards of long-term recovery from addiction. Anyone can tell you how to get clean and sober. The game, my brother, is to remain clean and sober. How do we do it? Unlike so many recovery messages that focus on what is wrong with you, we use the psychology of empowerment to discover and awaken what is right with you, your strengths, your values, understanding your true identity and the man God created you to be and to become. Are you ready to find a purpose for your recovery and a purpose for your life because of your recovery? I know that's why you're here. I am willing to say the one thing most men in recovery want to say but won't. It's not in my nature to be powerless, and I can promise my brother it's not in yours either. Buckle up. Here we go. Today's session is titled Nine Myths About Successful Recovery. And as I do with so many sessions, let's begin with some definitions. I'm going to begin with actually three and may throw in several more as we go through this. So, um, the session Nine Myths About Successful Recovery. Let's define success, the accomplishment of of an aim or a vision. So when I'm talking about nine myths of successful recovery, we are going to view success as the accomplishment of an aim or a vision, meaning meaning realizing recovery not as something we do, but as a lifestyle that we choose to live. It's not what we do, it's, it's a lifestyle that we choose to accept. So success, the accomplishment of an aim or a vision of recovery, being a lifestyle, not something we do, something we live. The definition of the word myth, all right, so listen to this now, the definition of the word myth, a widely held but false belief. A widely held but false belief. And I'm going to talk about nine myths, and I may throw in a couple of extras, but I mean, I could, having done this for well over a couple of decades, there are all kind, kinds of myths that I have seen as they relate to recovery. And I'm going to talk about nine that just came came to me as I was doing the outline for the session, but literally, I could do... I could go on and on and on for hours about the myths of successful recovery. Okay, so the definition of myth, a widely held but false belief. The definition of belief, the acceptance or state of mind that something is true. And I'm going to add, as I always do, whether it is or not. So when you look at the word myth, a widely held but false acceptance or state of mind that something is true. And again, the word belief and acceptance. Whether it's true or not, it means I have accepted it 
as truth. So, let me give you a little disclaimer here as we go through this session. This session is going to question some of your closely held beliefs. If you're like so many others and, and been to 12-step meetings, whatever kind of recovery meeting, if you've talked to people in recovery, I'm going to say some things that are probably going to challenge, challenge some of the things that you've heard. Um, and hopefully I'll give you, I, I will give you a, uh, a good reason why. But here's, here's what I want you to understand. In, in my disclaimer, I'm going to tell you something that I, I've heard at meetings for years, yet so few people realize the importance of this one saying. Take what you can use and leave the rest. Some of the things that I'm going to talk about here are, are going to question your beliefs. If you don't think that they're a belief that that um, that you can accept, take what you can use and leave the rest. If you believe in 10 things I say and, and don't believe in number 11, let 11 go. If you, uh, My goal, you know, I, I can remember my first sponsor telling me when I go and uh, and tell my story, at a meeting or in front of a group of people. And obviously over the last 23 plus years, I've done that at meetings. I've done that at workshops that we've hosted. I've done that in public forums where I've talked to a lot of people, uh, online, offline. Um, but he, he said something to me the first time that I was going to tell my story at a meeting. He said, just pray that something you say will help one person. So literally, um, you know, in the sessions that w that we create, I mean, I, I've I introduce stuff that I do to literally thousands of people, whether it's in the podcast, in the books, you know, our coaching programs, whatever it is. So, um, I hope my prayer and my hope for every session that I do is that one person says, "Yeah." That's the way I want to think, too. I read a book. Ashley and I were talking about it last night. I read a book years and years and years ago um, called Power Versus Force. And the author said in the, in the first part of the book, I hope that by the time you're finished with this book, my goal is for you to say, yeah, I already knew that. So, what I want to do here in this session is to give you permission that when you hear these myths, that you say, yeah, that's the way I want to think too. So let's go through them. I've got nine of them. And uh, um, anybody that has ever listened to me talk or been on one of the podcasts or in one of our coaching programs understands that I'm a rabbit chaser. So if God taps me on the shoulder and I go chasing another rabbit to talk about something and I add a myth or two, I, I may do that. So myth number one. And these are in no apparent order. These are just the nine that I decided to write down for the outline. Myth number one, do everything your sponsor says. So, 
there are a lot of people who sponsor a lot of people. There are, and, and sponsorship for me, and what I learned early on, my sponsor was supposed to guide me through the 12 steps. Because when I look at my first sponsor, he was extremely successful in recovery. He was a miserable failure at life. His relationships sucked. His attitude was bad. But he helped me go through the 12 steps and was the foundation of everything that I've created over the last couple of decades. But I knew once I made it through the 12 steps and I needed to get on with, with fixing my life, you know, there, there are three distinct phases of recovery. The, the physical abstinence phase is one, is, is phase number one. The, the rebuilding the life that crumbled because of the addiction is two. And then phase number three is the creation and life's purpose phase. And I have had guidance, mentorship, coaching, um, a core circle of men who have helped me be successful at all three. It's not up for debate. I've been at this for well over a couple of decades. Uh, I, I, I win at the physical abstinence part. Now, do I say that I have that? And no, it's it's, but it's it's something that I've I've done the work on that I don't struggle with that anymore. If you're at a place that you're struggling with physical abstinence, just stay the course, because the struggle gets easier. But I knew once that, that I got kind of the 12 steps under my belt and, and saw the life that I didn't, I didn't want to live anymore. I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to be that, that addict. I wanted to be, uh, you know, I, I wanted to be a, a, a successful husband and father and businessman and impactful leader in, in my home and in my com- community. And I couldn't do that living the life that I, that I was living. You know, I've watched it over the years. I've had watched guys who sponsor other guys who get their sponsors to come help them work on their house. Right? I mean, if that works, great. But, I mean, that's, I wasn't going to go help my sponsor work on his house in the name of recovery. So what I had to do as, as I've kind of gone through several sponsors over the years, I, I've had to ask myself the question, can this person help me get to where I want to be? My first sponsor was miserable in his marriage, so he wasn't going to help me with relationships. I had another sponsor that, that was really good at, at, at his marriage, but struggled financially. And it's not, it's not his job to help me fix, it's not my sponsor's job to, to help me fix my finances, but I, what I was looking to do was to find a group of men that I could model my life after. And so I took, when I say take what you can use and leave the rest, I took bits and pieces of what every man that I have connected myself with over the years and the vision that I wanted to have in my life as a, as a man successful in recovery and successful in my life because of my recovery. 
Again, phase one is the physical abstinence phase. Just making the primary thing the primary thing. But then I, I've got I've got to fix the life that crumbled because of of my addiction. And then what I discovered for me was rebuilding that life. That life was the source of my addiction. The marriage that wasn't going to work, the career that I didn't enjoy. And so I had I I had to do a major overhaul. Now listen, I'm not telling you to be successful in your recovery. Go get divorced. So myth number one, do everything your sponsor says. I'm going to tell you, find a man who is living the life that you want to live and then go find another and then go find another and then go find another and take what you can use from each of them and leave the rest. That's not a judgment of them. This is about me taking personal responsibility for what I want my life in recovery and my life because of my recovery to look like, but most importantly, to feel like. So, myth number two. Everything you need to know can be heard at a meeting. Now, let me tell you, I learned very early on. I needed a lot more than what I was getting from the people at a meeting. Now, this is not me throwing rocks at 12-step meetings or any other kind of recovery meeting. Again, take what you can use and leave the rest. There was a lot more for a man like me than just to adopt a widely held but false belief that everything that I needed in my life could be heard in an hour at a 12-step meeting. Again, you have to take personal responsibility for your journey. Take what you can from your sponsor and leave the rest. Take what you can from the meetings and leave the rest. But this is about putting together your puzzle called life, and it's your choice to be deliberate in the pieces. Myth number three, don't have any expectations. How many times have you heard that? The key to happiness is to don't have any expectations. Well, let me tell you, there is nothing, there has never been a bigger myth than to not have any expectations. One of the greatest things that you can do to be successful in your recovery and successful in your life because of your recovery is to surround yourself with people who have high expectations of you. I surrounded myself with men that expected me to stay sober. My kids expect me to stay sober. Ashley expects me to stay sober. The core circle of men that I surround myself expect me to stay sober. But guess what? The biggest expectation is the one that I have of myself. I expect myself to stay sober because I made it a purpose in my recovery to surround myself with people who had higher expectations of me so I could learn to raise my expectations of myself. So that's number three. Myth number four, again, a widely held but false belief about successful recovery, that there is only one path to success. AA has it, NA has it, Celebrate Recovery has it, 
Um, you can only, you'll only be successful if you do it this way. You can only be successful if you just don't use and go to meetings. Well, I know plenty of people who go to a lot of meetings who end up using. The truth of the matter is the percentages of people who, number one, win the game at successful recovery, but position themselves to win the game of long-term recovery, the percentages of people are extremely low. And you can say, oh, man, you know, I didn't want to hear that. I wanted to be, well, guess what? If the percentages of people that make it to long-term recovery is 1%, just choose to be one of the 1%. Right? It doesn't matter whether 50% make it or 1% make it. If you choose to be in that percentage, you win. They told me 5%. I've been around long enough to see that's probably a really low number. But there, no one group has a monopoly on recovery. And I'm going to talk about a couple of absolutes here when I get done with, with the nine myths. So myth number four, there is only one path. If, if There are suggestions on what works, people use their experience on what works, but but at the end of the day, um, surround yourself and follow the guidance, not of people who have been around a program for a long time. I know plenty of people who have been around AA or NA for 20 years who are miserable failures at recovery. If I wanted to know how to relapse, I'd listen to them. So there is no one path. And when I explain the the couple of absolutes here, you'll understand why. So uh, myth number five, to keep it, you have to give it away. Oh, there's another one of those sayings you're throwing rocks at, Mark. Well, so there's a part of this that is the prelim to myth number five. You got to have it to keep it. Service is one of the greatest things that we do in in recovery and in our lives because of our recovery. When I talk about the eight key areas that every modern man must master, it begins with personal growth and comes full circle to spiritual connection and life's purpose. And I can promise your purpose in some shape, form, or fashion is is always somehow related to service to others whether it's philanthropic service that you do for free or service that you get paid for. So myth number five. To keep it, you got to give it away. Let me tell you something. Get it first. Be successful. Be an example. You know, when I see somebody in one of the online groups or... or, um, I talked to somebody who celebrated some time in recovery. I always say a true example of what's possible. I mean, that's the whole game. Surround yourself with people that help you raise your possibilities. So make sure you have it before you try to keep it and give it away. Myth number six, the problem is always me. Guess what? The problem's not always me. I can't control what others do, but I can control my reaction to it. 
So don't go sit at a meeting and say the problem is always me. It's not always you. We are imperfect people trying to do, try, trying to live uh, a, a life that, that surpasses the strains and the struggles. So don't assume the problem is always you. It is not. Myth number seven, you got to think your way into right action. I'm going to tell you, early in recovery, you better act your way into right thinking. Let your thoughts follow your actions until you're around recovery long enough that you really can think your way into right action. Don't sit and think about whether you ought to go to a meeting. Get yourself into action. Go to the meeting. Your thinking will change as a result of your actions, be they positive or negative. If you're going to write down anything, write that down. Your thoughts will always follow your actions, be they positive or be they negative. Myth number eight, relapse is part of recovery. People say this all the time. Relapse may be part of your story, but relapse is addiction. Relapse is not recovery. Don't, don't, Don't delude yourself there are too, way too many people that accept this widely held but false belief that relapse is part of recovery. It may be part of your journey. It may be part of your story. But there are a lot of men who go to their grave because they hold the myth that relapse is part of recovery. Over a couple of decades in, relapse relapse is not part of my recovery. It's not even part of my story. Why? Because I made a decision. I cut off all other options other than to be successful. So, myth number one, do everything your sponsor says. Number two, everything you need to know can be heard at a meeting. Myth number three, don't have any expectations. Myth number four, there is only one path to success. Myth number five, To keep it, you have to give it away. Myth number six, the problem is always me. Myth number seven, think your way into right action. Myth number eight, relapse is part of recovery. And myth number nine, and this is a biggie, you are powerless. If you follow anything I do, you'll hear me say all the time that I'm willing to say the one thing that men in recovery want to say but won't. It's not in my nature to be powerless and it's not in yours either. Understand what the first step says and equally as important what it doesn't say. That step says, I admitted that I was powerless over my addiction and my life had become unmanageable. That doesn't say I'm powerless over my life. It says because of addiction, I I don't make very good decisions. Definition of of, of addiction, brain reward regardless of consequence. We are looking for a brain reward that literally is insanity because it makes no sense. The first step says powerless over my addiction. My life is unmanageable, not powerless over my life. You're not powerless over your relationships. You're not powerless over your finances. You're not powerless over your physical wellness. You're not powerless over your mental clarity, your nutrition, or your recreation. 
You were born in the image and the likeness of a powerful God. That means it is not in your nature to be powerless. It is in your choice to be powerless. Now, you can de debate this all the time. Is it a disease? Is it a, is it a consequence of actions? I tell you, it's both. But there is no solution in debating that. And that's a whole different session. So what are the absolutes? All right, I've been through the myths. And like I said, I could add 15 other myths. But you see where I'm going. Here are the absolutes in recovery. The absolute number one, to be successful. And again, the definition of success, the accomplishment of an aim, aim or purpose. To accomplish the aim or purpose of recovery as a lifestyle, you just don't use no matter what. You just don't use no matter what. Divorce, bankruptcy, death, cancer, those are just a few of mine. If you're looking for an excuse, anyone will do. If you're looking for a reason to stay clean and sober, there's lots of those as well. If you're looking for an excuse, just, just go use. I mean, that, that's as simple as it gets because there are all kinds of excuses. If you're looking for a reason, go find a man who has been successful and get him to tell you his story. Remember, it's all a test. Pass the first one, there's going to be another one. But learn to attach positive emotions to passing the test, not disempowering emotions because of the test. told you if you wanted to write something down, write down the, the thing just a second ago, write this down. Learn to attach positive emotions to passing the test, not disempowering emotions because of the test. Because the tests are coming. This is an arduous journey. Recovery is a quest. The definition, definition of quest is an arduous journey. This is not easy, but it's extremely simple. Again, the absolute, to be successful, just don't use no matter what. If you feel like it, don't do it. Pick up a phone, call somebody, go to a meeting. I mean, there's a million things that you can do. Absolute number two, believe you can do this. The foundation of everything is what we believe, and that begins with what we believe about ourselves. Surround yourself with success, not opinion. And again, understand, believe that you were born in the nature and the image of a powerful God, and it's time for you to act like it. Have a vision for the man that you want to become, and go put that puzzle together a piece at a time. So that is the end of this session. Again, the session is titled, The Nine Myths About Successful Recovery. And uh, that is it. Go out and have a great day wherever you are in the world. You absolutely deserve it. Bye for now. My prayer is that today's session leaves you inspired to be the best husband, father, and businessman you can be by becoming the man the world needs you to become. You know, the same guy God created you to become. 
I invite you to go to www.powerlessthepowerful.com and check out all of the empowering things we have going on. There's the book, the video book. There are videos and links to our retreats and workshops. Right now, you can get instant access to a man's quest for his true identity video series. And I've even thrown in a great gift to help you awaken the man God created by helping you discover your core strengths. Check it all out at www.powerlessthepowerful.com. Till next time, this is Mark Mascola inviting you to be empowered. Bye for now.